Welcome to the Left Hand Church Podcast. My name's Paula Stone-Williams, and I'm one of the co-pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. We love having you join us here at Left Hand. We would love it if you would join us in a financial way as well. You can text any amount to 84321, and we'll receive it. You also can go to our website, lefthandchurch.org, and you can find out there how you can donate. Every time we begin a service, we begin with these words. Married, divorced, and single here. It's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. Big and small here. There's room for us all here. Doubt and belief here. We all can receive here. LGBTQ and straight here. There is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here. Everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love Almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels. Celebrating Pentecost. And if you grew up in a church like mine, all I really knew of Pentecost was that it was a fun Sunday to wear red, and sometimes there'd be birthday cake, and also maybe some vague associations with like snake handling and speaking in tongues. So I'm here as your passionately anti-snake touching and equally passionately pro-cake eating pastor here to tell you there will be no snake handling today, just a lot of wearing red and eating cupcakes. (laughs) Woohoo! So what is Pentecost? Pentecost is simply the word that we use to describe the day when the Holy Spirit descended upon the first followers of Jesus and brought gifts that enabled them to more easily spread the good news of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection with people from all over the world. I'm gonna read you a verse from Acts chapter one, which I'm gonna come back to in more detail later, but it sets the stage for Pentecost. So what I'm about to read to you is Jesus talking to his apostles right before he ascends into heaven. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and everywhere in the world. So before I dive in, I wanna kinda lay out the basics. What is Pentecost? When did it happen? Why are we wearing red? And critically, when and why do we get cake today? (laughs) So the lead up to Pentecost begins on Good Friday with the death of Jesus. We go on to celebrate his resurrection from the dead three days later on Easter. And after Easter, he was among his disciples for 40 days. Towards the end of those 40 days, he gives his apostles what we call the Great Commission, to go and make disciples or followers of Jesus everywhere in the world. That brings us to the ascension at the end of those 40 days when Jesus is taken up to heaven. Right before he ascends to heaven, he instructs the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is the event we call Pentecost. So here we find ourselves. Jesus has left the building. He's left the planet this time, not just the tomb. And the apostles and Mary watched him go. And the very last thing that he promised was that the Holy Spirit was going to come and cloak them with powers and gifts of spirit that would help them to go and make followers of Jesus all over the world. 
Pentecost is the day that that promise was fulfilled. The day when the Holy Spirit arrived and thousands of people from all over the world became followers of Jesus over one spectacular sermon, which kind of sets the bar high for today. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came in a great wind with tongues of fire. I know Shannon is excited to hear more about that particular piece of it, and I'm going to get to that. Um, but that's why we wear red as a symbol of those flames. Pentecost is often referred to as the birthday of the Christian church, the, the wider church, because so many people from near and far became Christians that day, and that's why we get cake. As to when we get cake, that's going to be right at the end of the service. <laughs> but just to make this sermon and your wait for that cake as long as possible, the story of Pentecost actually begins a full 1,200 years earlier with Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. The two stories, Pentecost and Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, intersect powerfully. I'm going to talk about each of them separately, and then I'm going to explain how they intersect. So I want you to stay with me, and then we get cake. Before this time of year was known as Pentecost, it was and still is a Jewish festival called Heb Shavat. It's when Jews would come to the temple in Jerusalem to present the first fruits of their spring harvest as an offering to God. I want to tell you about Heb Shabbat because what the Jews were celebrating at this festival really sets the stage for the way Holy Spirit rolls into town at Pentecost. The Heb Shabbat festival is a celebration of God giving Moses the Torah, or what we know as the Ten Commandments, up on Mount Sinai. This happened about 1,200 years before Pentecost did. So we're going to briefly revisit the sights and sounds of Moses receiving those Ten Commandments. The book of Exodus describes that all the children of Israel were gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai when God descended amidst thunder, wind, smoke, and fire. God went on to declare a foundation for moral conduct that was required of the people of Israel, and that's what we call the Ten Commandments. When the Israelites were given these commandments and committed themselves to following them and serving God, that was the birth of Judaism as we know it today. So some 1,200 years later, that was why the Jews near and far had gathered for Heb Shabbat, to commemorate and celebrate the birth of Judaism. So here we find ourselves. It's weeks after Jesus' death and resurrection on Easter. It's days after his ascension into heaven. And we're in Jerusalem, bustling with Jews from every nation gathered to celebrate the birth of Judaism. And what's to come? Well, it's Pentecost. <laughs> the day that the Holy Spirit would come and thousands of people from all over the world would become followers of Jesus, which is why Pentecost is referred to as the birthday of the Christian church. And it's no coincidence that Pentecost, the birth of the Christian church, coincides with this festival celebrating the birth of Judaism. It was a plan, thousands of years in the making, unfurling exactly as it ma its maker intended. Our Pentecost story begins at the top of another mountain, with Jesus shrouded in clouds, leaving behind a promise that the Holy Spirit was coming to help, followed by a period of waiting and prayer and then a powerful answer, as promised, in the arrival of Holy Spirit. Let's talk about each of those. 
But first, we're going to do some quick math. This is what I call the math part of the sermon. <laughs> People get stuck on the word Pentecost because they're like, penta must mean 50, right? It is. It comes from the Greek word uh, that means 50th because it occurred 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead or our Easter, which is why we're celebrating it today. So on Easter, Jesus rises and goes on to spend 40 days among his disciples, showing them that he lives again, and then teaching, him, teaching them about the kingdom of God. He then gives the disciples that great commission to go out and make disciples or, disciples or followers of Jesus all over the world. And then he ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, we read of the meal just before his ascension into heaven, at which Jesus commands the disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While he was still with them, he said, Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, just as I told you he promised. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with Holy Spirit. While the apostles were still with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, are you now going to give Israel its own king again? And Jesus said to them, you don't need to know the timing of those events that only the Father controls, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power, and then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and everywhere in the world. And after Jesus said this, and while the apostles were watching, he was taken up into a cloud. The promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit was the last promise that Jesus made before he left the earth. So it is just after the ascension where we find the apostles and Mary waiting in Jerusalem as it fills with crowds for the Heb Shavat festival, waiting in prayer. They would pray for nine days after the ascension. This nine-day period of prayer between Jesus' ascension into heaven and the promised coming of Holy Spirit at Pentecost is what the Catholic Church calls the Novena. One beautiful theory that I've read about why there were nine days of prayer between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost is that it was meant to be a symbolic comparison to the nine months that Mary carried Jesus in the womb. And I found that parallel really striking. Jesus spends nine months in Mary's womb before coming forth to fulfill his mission on earth with the help of the apostles. And then he leaves. And Mary spends nine days with the apostles before they go forth to fulfill their mission with help from the Holy Spirit. John likes to call this the womb and board theory. <laughs> He's cracking himself up back there. <laughs> I want to imagine what those nine days must have been like. I imagine that the promised coming of Holy Spirit was probably a little bit abstract as they watched Jesus go up into a cloud, and then they went with my girl Mary and prayed. They didn't know it was going to be nine days later. They didn't know when or how Spirit would come. Jesus had just said he was coming, and that would it be days. So would it be two days, or 50 days, or 365 days? They were grieving their friend and their teacher, who had gone beyond their sight to heaven. They were probably exhausted and a little shell-shocked by and processing the events of the last 50 days. Some of the prayers that they sent up probably sounded a lot like the faithful questions that we make room for here in this church. 
Was he who he said he was? Did what I think just happen, really just happen? And I imagine that the apostles must have also been concerned about how in the world they were going to continue the work that they had been commissioned to do by Jesus. It was hard enough to get people right here to, to hear and believe when Jesus himself was the one doing the preaching. What would it feel like to be a regular person being asked to go and spread the good news to new ears? Well, that, that I can totally imagine. <laughs> they must have wished, as I do still today, that Jesus was here to speak that good news directly. How they must have felt alone and maybe a little bit unguided. But there was this promise this promise to hold on to that Jesus was sending Holy Spirit to them. And that sounded like something worth waiting for before they began the work that they were commissioned to do. So after those nine long days of waiting in prayer, we finally arrive at what we're celebrating here today, Pentecost. If you have your Bibles and want to read along, we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the Lord's followers were together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from heaven like the sound of a mighty wind. It filled the house where they were meeting. Then they saw what looked like fiery tongues moving in all directions, and a tongue came and settled on each person there. The Holy Spirit took control of everyone, and they began to speak whatever languages that Spirit allowed. Some of you probably, like me, associate the Holy Spirit with gentle things like doves. But in Pentecost, spirit came as a thundering wind full of fire. He came as a spreading flame, a wildfire of faith that would catch in the hearts and minds of the apostles and spread through thousands of souls just that very day. Spirit came as a blazing breath of heaven that continues to spread uncontained today, including through the hearts in this very room. Now remember, it was Hebshavat festival week in Jerusalem, and Jews from near and far had gathered to celebrate. So the deafening sound of wind and the appearance of tongues of fire understandably began to draw a large crowd. The account in Acts goes on to say of the apostles, many religious Jews from every country in the world were living in Jerusalem, and when they heard this noise, the crowd gathered but they were surprised because they were hearing everything in their own languages. They were excited and amazed, and they said, don't all these who are speaking come from Galilee? Then why do we hear them speaking in our own languages? So the Holy Spirit comes, and suddenly every gathered Jew of nations from all over the world could understand this all Galilean crew of apostles proclaiming the gospel as if it was spoken in their own language. How could this be, they asked. What was happening? Now, what I thought was the funniest part of this piece of scripture actually comes in the form of a rather cynical explanation a few verses later. Everyone was excited and confused. Some of them even kept asking each other, what does all this mean? But others made fun of the Lord's followers and said, they're just drunk. <laughs> well, I mean, it was festival week, right? I mean, people were probably getting a little rowdy, and it was understandable that some of the people gathered thought the crowd was just a little tipsy, but Peter takes it upon himself to set things right. Peter stood with the 11 apostles, and he spoke in a loud, clear voice to the crowd. Friends and everyone else living in Jerusalem, 
Listen carefully to what I have to say. You're wrong to think these people are drunk. After all, it is only nine o'clock in the morning. I have to say I really love that Peter's go-to logic in explaining that all of these wonders are caused by the Holy Spirit was because, you know, it was morning. Rock-solid logic, because we all know from spring breaks of our youth that it is impossible to ever be drunk in the morning. But setting aside Peter's rock-solid argument, Holy Spirit didn't just act as a translator to the crowd. It came in this shockingly audible and visible form, a violent wind with tongues of flames that reached down to touch each person present. And it gave the apostles powerful gifts of spirit that they needed to go out and preach the gospel to all people in all nations. It descended upon everyone present in the crowd. It gave many of them ears to listen to the message that was about to be preached. And this is what's really important. It came as a channel for and a call to a wider and more diverse Christian church. It came to make sure that churches like this one would one day exist. And here's why we call Pentecost the birthday of the Christian church. Right after the coming of spirit, Peter preached his very first sermon and converted a shockingly large number of new believers. According to the account in Acts, over 3,000 people became followers of Jesus following that one sermon. As someone fairly new to giving sermons, I'd say it was a pretty good first sermon. <laughs> the early Christian church began this day built on a diversity of people gathered from near and far in Jerusalem for Heb Shavat. It happened to ensure that Christianity was not going to be meant only for the few Jews who were present to witness the event the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but rather that it's meant for all people. Pentecost came to make room for a diverse Christian community, like the one we have here at Left Hand. Pentecost came to make sure there would be room for us all here. So how do we apply this fantastic story of a holy gale bearing tongues of fire to our lives today? Well, for one thing, we keep reading and sharing that ethos. We keep inviting others in who might need to hear it. We continue to make more room for us all here. And let us let Pentecost be for us a time of considering the gifts of spirit that we have each been given, a time of praising the diversity present in the souls in this community of Jesus followers, a time of renewing our commitment to let the Holy Spirit guide us, and this church, especially in seasons of uncertainty. A time of asking, how can we use our gifts of spirit to do better what Jesus ultimately asked us to do, which is to love God, to love our neighbors, and to love ourselves. Pentecost is also a time to celebrate the kept and last promise of Jesus, the promise that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in our hearts a kept promise that she is with us and that we are never alone. It's also a time to celebrate being able to fully open the doors of this beautiful new church home and welcome both our long-standing community members and new ones in without restriction. We're so glad you're here with us tonight. And also to celebrate the coming together of our in-person and virtual audiences into one worship service, much as we are one diverse community of believers and faithful questioners. 
So I invite you to celebrate with us today over cake and celebrating in the courtyard right after church or, with your, or, or over Zoom with our back of church chat. I'm gonna close us out with a poem of Pentecost by Malcolm Gweet and then pray us out. Today we feel the wind beneath our wings. Today the hidden fountain flows and prays. Today the church draws breath at last and sings as every flame becomes a tongue of praise. This is a feast of fire, air, and water, poured out and breathed and kindled into earth. The earth herself awakes to her maker and is translated out of death to birth. The right words come today in their right order, and every word spells freedom and release. Today the gospel crosses every border. All tongues are loosed by the Prince of Peace. Today the lost are found in his translation, whose mother tongue is love in every nation. Please pray with me. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts gathered here as you filled the hearts of the early followers of Jesus. Stay with us, Holy Spirit, when we find closed doors or what feel like dead ends, be always our guide. Guide us, Holy Spirit, when our feet fail and fear surround us. Take us deeper than we could ever wander without you to lead us. Loosen our tongues, Holy Spirit, when we hesitate to speak up in the name of justice and peace. Fill our hearts with holy fire, Holy Spirit, and with peace beyond compare and the strength to love those who you put in our path. Answer us, Holy Spirit, through the mountains, in the herons, in the ocean, and in the rainbows, in every beautiful force of nature you send, to remind us that you are always with us and we are never alone. Come to celebrate this community in which you have called us each to live and love. Amen. This is John Gaddis. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Left Hand Church. As you listen to this teaching, we hope it was a reminder that the love of God is bigger, more inclusive, and filled with more grace than any of us can imagine. There is truly room for us all here. If you have any questions about Left Hand Church or this teaching, please email me at john at lefthandchurch.org. You can also tune into our live stream services on our church Facebook page every Sunday at 5 p.m. Mountain for great music and original teachings. Thank you for joining us.